0: Tony Lightfoot.
1: And here I am uh, the uh, the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot on the TWBC podcast and uh, great to have you on board. It was uh it's the morning after the night before. Uh, the uh, we've gotten done with the World Championships, uh, the banquet, and everything, and every, and all of the competitive action. And I just happened to stumble upon the the uh, the Conley, uh, Conley photo shoot. And uh, out there on a very very chilly Monday morning is uh, Joel Howley. How are you doing, sir?
2: Tony, I'm doing well. What a World Championship! And thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I am. Um, I love this show. Um, so it's nice to finally be on it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, a
2: great. Yeah,
1: I mean, the pleasure is all mine. Because because I've been trying to get hold of you and try to do it over the phone and what have you for the, for the longest time but uh, glad to have you sitting uh, sitting a few feet away from me. So yesterday, a World Slalom Championship uh, I mean Freddie came through but I mean from your perspective uh, what, what was it like?
2: It was unreal, yeah. I um, honestly was um, just so so happy to make that final I mean requiring a three to get into the finals um, is no easy feat um, and you got to respect the game so I sort of Stood up my three ball to make it through to the final um and then as you know that final was um just so hard fought so many skiers so many placings within so few buoys um and i mean the wind picked up we all had it quite tough um i think there were three or four different strategies on the day um, of which direction you wanted to take that headwind um and yeah i mean i elected to take my 39 in a headwind coming back in a tail for the 41 but i mean the the tail at that far end of the lake was so much less than the headwind um off the dock so i mean i sort of got a half decent one and then was pushed into two and finished up seventh but i mean honestly i um had a hell of a time and and loved it honestly i really quite like um coming to worlds in Orlando there's lots of ex skiers hanging around the dock which is all pretty pretty awesome because i
1: mean you're still a rel- relatively newcomer to the sport considering uh, what a lot of these guys have been through over many many years decades even you know but uh, i mean Tell us a little bit about the situation when you found out last night, or rather the night before, that uh, that the Solanomin uh, final was rescheduled from where from where it should have been, which was in the morning, to uh, to later on in the afternoon.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you have a read on that. I know a lot of people have strong opinions. I, I just don't. Um, oh, the
1: jumpers had real
2: strong opinions on that one. They certainly did. And I, I don't mind people voicing their opinions. I find it interesting to see, you know, who cares about what. Um, but to be honest, I am not one of the ones that care. I'll ski when they take me to ski and it's just not something i generally um care about i think it's like somewhat out of my control so i just ski when they tell me but i mean as well as that i am always happier to ski in the afternoon so i mean i'd I'd be more upset if they scheduled me to the morning i mean which is i guess where the jumpers sat um have you heard much about why they did it
1: uh, i think it's for uh, it was uh, based upon a de- decision with sun strike and everything to to try and give you guys the best conditions you know because over the uh, the last few elimination round series you know there was that that came into play and i think it was uh as, as most decisions are made at that, that level
2: based upon bond safety really interesting yeah um well, I didn't mind the sun, as you know. I put my shades on and, and oh, went yeah. on through. You're,
1: you're the, you were one of the only ones, naturally, the <laughs> first one to go out there in the elimination round with the shades on. I know, mate. Looking, there were a few copying,
2: jo- weren't there, after I chucked them on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd, you commented on the interview you wanted the, wanted to wear them to look cool. but That uh, was the
2: main reason, yeah. That was the main reason. However, my no. fiancé um on the dock... Um, I'm kindly, calling. I'm calling that one. She kindly mentioned that um, <laughs> they weren't the coolest looking sunnies, um, but they are the ones I had pre-chosen in the pack in case there were any glare issues. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, you did, did did look
1: pretty cool out there. Thank you, Tony. So, uh, weren't able to make it to the world's uh, last time. COVID and other issues no, that, that came that into that hurt play. A bit. Yeah, that did. So, I mean, what was it like there in Australia watching watching all of that unfold and uh, and seeing and seeing your world title or go go to. Some someone else unchallenged uh, yeah, two good, years
2: ago good question um i do love watching um the webcasts that you've been doing like i honestly am just so impressed um, with what the Waterski broadcasting company is up to um but to be honest i really struggled to watch that world championship um i put it on a few times and then found myself looking away and not watching the rest of it and then it wasn't until a few weeks later that i actually sort of sat down and went through and and watched it yeah just just struggled to let it go it was just, it sucked to not be here um but, I, um, yeah, I feel like I'm now over it now that we've gone back and, and um, been to another world. But, yeah, you don't get many world championships. They're only every two years, and it did suck to miss one indeed indeed so
1: uh, uh on top of all of that i mean you ski out in australia i mean you've got you you got uh, you got product endorsements i mean you know we're, we're right here in the middle of uh, the Conley shoot you know before you you head back uh, to, to to australia you know so uh, so what what is that like to uh, to develop a product on one side of the world have it produced on the other you know and try and keep it in close, close contact with, with with a company like Conley in that process
2: yeah good question um i, I don't mind it like um doug can and our Connolly engineer who was really sort of quite instrumental in me signing the original deal with Connolly like I remember my first meeting um, with Doug um or many years ago um, at a surf expo in Orlando and Doug said that um, you know we will design this product around you and um I think sort of getting into my skiing career and being a bit of a tweaker someone that already knew you know I would progressed through my skiing career with a constant sort of desire to change the equipment I was riding and sort of hearing from Doug that yeah like they were happy to build these skis around what I um, wanted or needed at the time Um, so yeah we sort of got into it early with the intent to be constantly changing what I was riding Um, and from the very start I never wanted to be changing equipment while in season so even when I was spending the entire summer um, in the U.S we really wouldn't be changing much. And it wasn't until I went back to Australia um, and started changing everything that we would begin our sort of season, off-season of redesigning the skis. And that was always done um, in Australia. And so really, like, back home, I get a box with four skis in it. um, And typically, I've sent Doug a list um, of maybe eight or nine things that – I believe we should test, um, and then I'll get a box with four skis in it, and I'll have no idea which of the list that which of the items on the list that I sent to Doug um, have so been changed on those four skis. So one of those on could those be a placebo, skis. really. Yeah, Doug just often often puts in a placebo um, as a bit of a test. Yeah, and I think over the years I seem to be getting. Less and less placebos. I think maybe Doug's starting to trust (laughs) the feedback that I'm giving. Um, But yeah, we often get sort of, you know, three of the things that I've asked for and then either one placebo or one that's sort of something I haven't asked for. And then I send back blind feedback and it's not until then that I receive, you know, the information on what those things, what those skis actually were. So uh, sounds
1: like a pretty good progress. Now, uh, the uh, the Deviate and the Versatile, was that all
2: you? No, not at all. That was, well, I was playing with tail blocks, um, and rounding the end of my ski. And I had a few asymmetric, um, items on the back of my ski. And then that largely came from Doug. So the man I just mentioned, who's, um, a very, um, unsung hero at Connolly water skis. Um, but yeah, the idea to sort of swap and change the back end of it came from Doug. Um, I, it's sort of, as you know, us skiers, like you just get so Deep in what you believe is best for your skiing. Um, Uh And then, what sort of Doug and a lot of the other people at Connolly are really good at is redirecting it towards, like, yes, this works for me, what will also work for everyone else? And I mean, we just sort of got to a point where I was bringing the ski so close to exactly what I wanted that you can end up narrowing the field of skiers that the ski performs for. And so, it was almost a way for us to continue progressing it towards exactly what I require while also allowing the ski to then work for different styles of skiing. Excellent.
1: And I mean, you've uh, the, the C1 is out now. So I mean, that that's uh, that's pretty much all you, isn't it?
2: Yes, we've, um, myself and, and Manon, um, I believe, and quite a few others all do the testing. Um, but the idea um, to widen the, the front um, just came off the back of that Mentioned process where we just send a list of things we want to change one of those items was widening the tip we had three options to widen the tip um, one was a little bit one was a fair bit and the other one was um, sort of considerably more than where we landed and we sort of ended up somewhere in the middle um, which was widening the tip by about five millimeters um, and yeah it just performs In my opinion, significantly better than any of the other skis we've ever produced. Um, Like it's, yeah, I can be so much more confident through the back end of my turns now. And I think the Connolly, you know, if you were to sort of give a criticism to the DV8, it's that in instances where you're a little bit front foot heavy it can overturn on you and that wider tip just keeps it out of the water and lets you be more aggressive and, and as you know I do like to ski reasonably aggressive all
1: right then and uh, conley was the actual the actually the first brand that I got onto in, oh, the, in, the, in, the, in the 80s yeah how way good. way w- yeah way back in the 1980s when I was skiing on the HP it uh, st- probably still holds up pretty well if the if the actual material science was probably updated it would still be a pretty good ski today how good yeah i will. know
2: you don't like us deflecting towards questions about you tony but what ski do you ride at the moment do we get you on the no, water
1: these days Yeah, send me one please right, biggest right, one big, big, biggest biggest one you can find oh i'll be i'll be more than
2: happy to Damn. now the boot the we, boots.
1: Uh, obviously it's been parodied uh did you see the parody with uh with with bob, bob marley? marley yeah
2: oh my god myself my family all of my friends everyone has seen that um and yes it's um it's bloody hilarious i honestly have so little um rebuttal because the boot is so ridiculous that i just feel like you have to smile and nod and just agree that yes this is not an ideal setup but um unfortunately i'm skiing maybe one and a half buoys better on that boot than what i do on anything else and as you know one and a half buoys is a lot
1: especially on the uh,
2: freaking uh, 10 to
1: 5 meters right
2: i know we were all separated between what three buoys from like first to eighth place at world so yeah it's um you don't you don't knock back one and a half buoys regardless of how annoying the setup becomes but if i see you next time tony and i have sorted out a solution that doesn't require power tools i will be a very happy man
1: Indeed, indeed And, uh, you know, it was great to see you skiing that boot That Franken-boot, as it were <laughs> Now, you mentioned, uh, kind of alluded a little bit To right off the bat, you have a fiancé, right? I
2: do Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. very t- happy, t- happy t- man
1: t- Tell us when that happy day is going to come along
2: in about a year, I believe we'll um, we'll have our wedding. Um, but yeah, I've sort of Save enough money two from weeks. Moomba, huh? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> all that cash I'll win from Moomba, we'll just chuck towards the wedding. Um, but yeah, I proposed about three weeks ago. Oh wow! Um, oh, breaking so news! It's pretty fresh, and um, yeah, just honestly, um, I feel um, a very unusual sense of sort of peace and calmness with her. As you know, the life of a pro water skier um, is very stressful and quite chaotic um and i feel like my life is now um quite calm and just yeah looking forward to lovely future with beautiful beck
1: uh-huh and uh, and kind of tell us about the environment in which you ski at in, in australia you ski in uh, queensland don't you
2: i do yes so we have a lake um that's about 20 minutes from where i live which for australia is incredibly close um we don't have a whole lot of spots to go living on a lake um and so yeah i um largely ski with my father um he has done a lot of hard yards over the years driving our 196 and Um, you ski with lucas right Uh, i do often ski i don't i don't ski i feel like um the input of my coaching on lucas gets a little overstated like lucas um is has done a lot of it himself Um, and i believe that you know over the years i've sort of had Little interjections into his skiing, but I mean that that kid is um, a phenomenal athlete, and and is so dedicated, and watches a lot of his own video, and really like has, has uh, done so much of it on his own back.
1: I mean, he got close to a world championship uh, in that runoff with uh, with Nicholas Nelson over at the Junior Worlds uh, in in Santiago. Do you see him becoming uh, maybe a, a U17, or, uh, may, maybe he's out of eligibility, but at least a U21, the world slalom champion?
2: Yeah, I really do, and and more so than that with Lucas, I just. See him staying in the game like what you see going through with a lot of these juniors is a struggle to remain dedicated beyond the age of 18 and i think that's where we lose a lot of talent that could have or should have been you know future world champions and obviously often at the age of 18 there's a big crossover between the kids that were good young and the people that are going to then become the pro skiers of the future Um, but i do believe lucas is one of the ones that can make that transition and just remain good and stay keen and 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 carry on through and maybe we are talking about lucas in 20 years time
1: and you're such a great interview subject because that leads me onto the other onto my next question really which is uh which is kind of uh what 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 do you see needs to be changed about the sport of tournament water skiing to actually take it from where we are to where it needed to be
2: oh that's a that's a hard one hey a lot of people have um big opinions on on what we what we need to do um i somewhat um land in the category of um the fact that a lot of the push towards the boating company and the skiing company sales um is not necessarily directed at tournament skiing itself and for me Oh, I don't have a huge issue with that. I know that. So like, you there's think there's
1: a void somewhere in the middle in the rec- in in the post recreational uh, uh, realm?
2: Yeah, like I mean, like yes, the sport of of tournament skiing itself, you could argue isn't soaring off into the future and doing amazing well but the sport of skiing itself is doing very well like the boat sales are going well we're selling a lot more skis at Connolly than we ever have like the the sport itself is doing well it's the tournament side of it that you know you could argue isn't soaring off um but i mean it is that wreck side of it that supports our tournaments um and you know the athletes that get paid through these ski and boat companies you know they're paid from those rec market sales um and yes i believe that the the gap and the the benefit to the sport going forward is maybe to try and bridge that a little bit because there's a very healthy um rec market it's it's just the tournament side that doesn't then speak to that healthy rec market so yeah i i sort of I see it a little differently like we're we're selling more skis and more boats than we ever have and there's there's lots of money going around in that recreational side of it um and then it's just hard to see the crossover into the tournament side of it maybe we have pro tournaments on rec lakes all right, uh, we've had two World Championships
1: back-to-back at uh, Jack and Alani Travers' place. They've done an absolutely superb job, of, which I'm sure you'd agree on. But where would you like to see the World Championships in two years' time?
2: There is a bit of talk about it being in Australia. And um, oh, I know I'm a little that. biased, but I would love to see it. But that would necessitate Australia. the moves,
1: moving its date closer towards uh, the uh, the uh, the off middle of the off-season for a lot of people, right?
2: Agreed. I, um, I'd love it to be Moomba and then maybe three or four week gap and then worlds in um, in Australia, uh, mm-hmm. which would then mean that those Northern Hemisphere skiers have to train through winter, um, which I, I agree is, is quite I challenging. Four, but I
1: think three or four weeks post-Moomba for a lot of those competitors, I don't think they're going to grumble too much.
2: You don't think? Yeah. Because it would be hard to do two trips to Australia um, within one season. Um, it's a it's a lot of flying around. So I do feel like you'd want to sit it somewhat close to Moomba if it was in Australia, but... It'd be nice to do a a lot smaller flight and go to a world championships. But in saying that having it in Orlando is arguably the best spot for the sport because the ski schools all around Orlando experience an influx of skiers to their ski schools that want to just come and watch worlds. Um, And there's no real other place in the world that benefits the skiing community as much as having it in Orlando because Orlando can handle the capacity of having an extra Um, You know, a couple of hundred skiers rock up just to watch and ski locally. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, we're here at Swiss Ski School, one of your favorite places to ski at. I mean, uh, you it's your favorite place. Yes, indeed. And you're looking around at skiers that are about to take to the water, you know, both, both lakes. And the, the, it's it's starting to get real busy and it's almost like nine o'clock in the morning here. You know, so, I mean, a lot of optimism going forward uh, for for the sport, uh, definitely within the market that they occupy. You know, but I mean, when you, when you look around and, and, and see all of this, kind of what goes through
2: your mind a little bit? Honestly, I grew up... Um, not even knowing that there was a spot this amazing to ski. You, you ski um, in Australia, and it's generally not on made-made lakes. And, I mean, I'd seen the photos of what it looks like to ski in the States, but it's not until you rock up in the US um, and see these lakes that you sort of really grasp what skiing can be. Um, I mean, the, the dock's perfect, the boat's perfect. Um, it's just a very different environment to to go skiing at a lake like this you don't have to drag the boat out of the shed and put it in the water and um idle out you just rock up on the dock with your ski chuck your boots on and someone throws you the rope it's 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 amazing it's a very different experience for someone that's grown up backing boats into lakes and then going skiing to rock up at a spot like this and put your ski on and head off all right then looks
1: like team Conley is calling your name over there the hurry do- up, Yeah, yeah, in hurry up mode but uh,
2: any last thoughts Thank you, Tony, mate. Honestly, the waterski Broadcasting Company is just something that um, I never thought we would get. And I'm just so appreciative that
1: we have it. All right, then. That was my interview with Joel Howley here on the latest edition of the TWBC Podcast. And until next time, it is ciao for now.
0: Thank you for listening to the TWBC Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com.